I started so formal, like I feel like I was about to do a presentation. Thank you all for joining us. Greetings to everybody. Thank you so much for coming. And you are cheer and joy and holly jolly Christmas toad. Christmas toes? Hmm. Okay. Oh, I thought you said Christmas toad. I was like, I do like a Christmas toad. That seems fun. A little chocolate toad I in your stocking. I'm down for anything Christmassy. Sounds very Harry Potter. Anything toady. Anything chocolatey. <laughs> this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hello. And I am Sabrina. And this is the second to last episode of the year 2023. And mm-hmm. since we've started doing our new format, which it's like we swap off, you know, back and forth who's doing an episode. And every year we've done our horoscopes for the new year. Corinne, because this is your researched episode, I would like to start the episode with your horoscope for 2024. Ooh. Okay. I'm ready. Let's hear. I can't even remember what 2023's horoscope was, <laughs> but I think it was a good year. It was a good year for you. And it's it's also interesting because every year I try to find the same website that I used the year before to do the same horoscope mm-hmm. reading. And for some reason, every year I cannot find that same website. Like it basically, I so change weird. every year where we source this from. We would love to do, and maybe this is something we can do when the new year starts, is working with someone who studies astrological signs and doing birth charts to help us actually read a horoscope for us specifically based on our birth charts because these are very much general broad for you're a Leo, I'm a Virgo. And I feel like the more I read Leo horoscopes, the less sometimes I, sorry, I'll, I'll just say this now. There's a lot of background noise happening in my house. We have a lot of projects. We're about to leave on our honeymoon. The ceiling is leaking. There's mold everywhere. And there's holes being drilled in the ground. Okay? Yeah. So it is what it is. I can't work around it. I just have to work with it. Hope that there's not too much banging. But anyway, I was going to say, sometimes I feel like I don't relate at all to the Leo ones recently. It's more like the personality ones for Leo. Mm. But I feel like horoscope, I could. I could. So I'm curious what what is said. And I do think when it's big picture at the whole year, I think it's easier to relate to than specifically like one day or personality characteristics. Yeah. Okay. So I looked at two websites. There's astrosage.com and then astroyogi.com. I'm going to read the general from astroyogi and then I can go into the more specifics from astrosage. There is one thing very specifically that I need to read from Astro Yogi. (laughs) This is truly the only reason I'm doing two because there's one specific thing in here that I needed to read. I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is too good. Okay. Individuals born under the Leo sign are known for their strength, their fierce attitude, and bold and brave nature. They have a dynamic and magnetic personality that attracts people toward them. Leos are charismatic leaders with a magnetic presence confident, regal, (laughs) ambitious. They possess a creative spark that shines in any endeavor. True. Gosh, I'm like blood. I'm getting red. (laughs) Compliments. With the ruling planet sun's energy, they always shine bright. Their warm-hearted nature and loyalty make them natural-born friends. Dear Leos, according to the Leo Horoscope 2024 predictions, 2024 will be full of joys, financial stability, a dynamic increase in your career graph, profitable investments, and good health. 
There will be a bit of disturbance in your family life, but don't worry, Corinne, I read a lot of this and it talks a lot about how your romance is thriving and does really well. Disturbances? What is it going to be? Is it going to be like all those people when we were on tour that asked if I was pregnant or about to be? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> that or maybe your home. I mean, you're already dealing with a lot of stuff in your home. There's a lot of new things. Right. But I like this says financial stability, which is good because all my money has gone out the door now yes. because this house is falling apart. <laughs> but then the home will be stable. Okay. I'm going to go into more specifics on the other website, Astro Stage, but there was a little bit of, there's like these four things that you can do for astrological remedies, just basically to ground yourself. The first one I'm going to read last because it is the reason I'm reading this. But one is to start fasting every Saturday or avoid no any non-vegetarian foods and alcohols, which you're already doing the alcohol thing. Yeah, I don't really drink anymore. I go through big swings of like, I don't drink for four months and then I'll drink too much in like two weeks and then I won't drink again for another four months. I'm in that not drinking phase. So I got that, but I don't know if I can go no, f- and I can, I can eat vegetarian. Yeah. But I don't want to fast. That's fine. Another remedy is take the blessings of your teachers and try to interact with them more often. Okay. And I think this one is very much like yoga related. It says start doing Surya Namaskar every day. I don't know what that is. I'm not a yogi. Wait, is this like I can choose any of them that feel the best to do or I'm supposed to do all four? I think you're supposed to do all four. But like, I mean, keep in mind, this is all like, you know, your own personal journey. But this one? Yeah. Feed jaggery to cows. I don't know what jaggery is, but I like I like feed and cows. It's like a sugary treat. Feed the cows, Corinne. Oh, I'm going to hit up some local farms and be like, hey, can I bring my own jaggery? <laughs> I just saw that and I was like, oh my God, it couldn't be more perfect for you. And that's the most random suggestion too out of all of them. Yeah. Like that's so weird. And I love that because I love cows so much. Yes, I know. I'm most likely to do that out of the four remedies. So I'm going to start with career. During the Leo horoscope 2024, the career front will start off well. Saturn, strong in the 10th house from the 10th house, which is the 7th house, will remain present throughout the year, providing you with success in your career. It will strengthen your position in your job and your hard work will yield good results. The influence of Mercury and Venus on your 10th house at the beginning of the year will give you a clear opportunity to excel in your profession. Jupiter will continue to reside in your 9th house until May 1st, bringing the possibility of job changes. <laughs> Maybe job transformation. Yeah, that's a good I don't idea. really want to change jobs because our job is I was podcast. like, you better not leave me, you biatch. No, I'm like, wait, this is the worst. That's bad news. The Leo Career Horoscope 2024 predicts that Mars will occupy your 9th house from June 1st to July 12th and move to the 10th house until August 26th. The positioning of Mars has the potential to offer you a favorable job opportunity, and July will be characterized by a busy and bustling work environment. During this period, you may have the chance to undertake work-related travels. Another Um, tour, Corinne. um, (laughs) No. (laughs) Talk to me in 12 months about getting on a plane again. (laughs) Time frame between July 31st and August 25th could be somewhat challenging, but it's important to remain diligent and hard work during this phase. 
However, from October to November, you can expect excellent conditions in your job. Great. That's spooky season, Mm -hmm. of course. Your business can anticipate a highly favorable year in 2024. Through the year, Saturn, the ruler of the seventh house, will remain in the seventh house, creating beneficial conditions for long-term profits. Your business will expand gradually. Whatever Saturn grants you will come effortlessly and steadily, ensuring substantial outcomes. Your business will advance and grow as the year progresses. However, caution should be exercised in the initial half of the year might be comparatively weaker as Mars and the sun pass through your six and seven houses. During this period, your professional partnerships, no, may encounter challenges. <laughs> Sabrina, no. No, no, Corinne, Should no. we just like start going to therapy right now? <laughs> Couples therapy, sign up for prematurely. Make sure this never happens. Yet if you successfully overcome these obstacles, your business will thrive. Here's the thing. We've been doing this for over six years and we've been totally fine. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we'll be okay. And we survived yeah. two and a half months of tour living together. We'll be good. Okay, so basically... Our business is going to thrive, especially between July and October of 2024. For family life, the Leo 2024 horoscope predicts that the year will begin with a mixture of experiences. Ketu's presence in your second house may create familial issues and disrupt relationship harmony. Conversely, Venus and Mercury in your fourth house will amplify the joys and comforts of your family life. Your family will support you and your home will be filled with peace and happiness. Your household will okay. witness an improvement in its amenities and overall contentment. Hey. Great, because there's not much happening here now. Okay, you will buy furniture one day. <laughs> the atmosphere at home will be delightful. In the middle of the year, specifically on May 1st, Jupiter, the divine teacher, will enter your 10th house and offer valuable insights regarding your second and fourth houses. This will contribute to the happiness and tranquility of your family life. And it indicates that your first half of the year, you will establish harmonious and positive relationships, while the second half will bring favorable relationships with your parents. <laughs> your family will provide unwavering support throughout the year, fostering a prosperous family life. And that is your 2024 horoscope. And I will read mine at the beginning of the next episode. Great. I do wonder, my, my dad has been talking about starting to wean off of work a little bit, mm. you know, the possibility of not working 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wonder if like the second half of next year that starts to happen for him and I just see him more often. That would be nice. And I wonder if the amenities in my home are because he's here helping yeah. me. <laughs> I also think all the construction you're currently doing is going to help establish the yeah. nicer amenities in your home next year. I didn't read through all of mine because we're not going to do it until next week, but I am just so curious, given that your business is going to be thriving, what if it says, like, my business is not going to be? Like, (laughs) you do well, but you kick me out. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's all about perspective. Maybe this year I'm like, we're doing great. And you're like, we could be doing better. I feel like it's usually the alternative, like we usually have the reverse. It usually it's is. usually me being like, Corinne, we're doing so great. I'm so proud of us. And you're like, we need to do more. You're like, don't worry. We're doing great. And I'm like, we're not. <laughs> Maybe we'll flip-flop this year. Yeah. And that will be why that's happening. 
Okay, well, because this is a holiday episode, I also, or we also asked people on Instagram what their holiday traditions are. Yeah. And I just have to read a couple that were, I think, kind of written with humor, but I thought it was hilarious. Okay. Barking Spider said drinking. (laughs) Electra Omega said major fucking depression. Hey, same, same. And Brittany Rogers said crying in the club. So so I think that these are holiday traditions a lot of us can relate to. We can. But I'll read a couple serious ones. Okay. Well, not that those weren't serious, but. They're dead serious. I liked this one because you just talked about it. Was it on Campfire Stories on Patreon or did you talk about it on a regular episode? You talked about the book flood. Was it a Danish tradition? The one that I saw was Icelandic, I believe. Icelandic tradition? Yeah. Okay. Ghost Girl Meets World said Christmas Eve book flood. So they do that. That's Litha. Oh, of course Litha freaking does this. So cool. Ugh, I love Litha. This is from OK Shay. They wrote, on Christmas Eve, we have a sleepover in the living room with all of our kids. <gasps> oh, I that's so that. cute. I love that so much. I know. Remote Girl said that they eat Asian food and tip 100% to service workers. Wow, that's Which is so such a kind. Great, that's such a good idea. I know, that's so kind. It's such a generous way to give back to during yeah. the holidays. Like These are the people that are working during the holidays. Yeah. I'm going to butcher this, but Nishamanshini wrote, find the pickle on the tree. Uh, my family does that every Christmas Eve. Yes, I know that. I've literally never found the pickle, ever. <laughs> this year's your year all right knock on wood get there early stay, wake up in the middle of the night freaking find that pickle it's at my cousin's house so i don't get to be there in the middle of the night i'll just break into oh. their home the night before <laughs> bribe someone to tell you where the pickle is yeah. is it who finds it first or you just have to find it's it? it's whoever finds it first there's an organized time to go find the pickle so the pickle's not already there. The pickle's placed and then everyone has to... I do think it is placed there before we all get there. Oh. I'm not sure. It just reminds me, I'm sure I've said this before, but it reminds me of my friend Kelsey's family's house in Connecticut where her grandparents lived. They have a beautiful, like large old dining room and it has stenciling from probably 100 years ago. Oh, cool. And all of the stenciling is really tiny little strawberries. Uh And they're all red throughout the entire room. Tiny, tiny little stencils. But there's one green strawberry. And you're not allowed to eat until you find the green strawberry. Everyone who goes has to find it. That's amazing. I want to find the green strawberry. I know. It's such a cool way of almost paying respect and including the original stenciling of the house. Yeah, that's so fun. I love that. Tracy Quarez wrote eggnog every night after dinner. And we chant Christmas juice, Christmas <laughs> juice, Christmas juice. <laughs> I love Christmas uh, juice. I love that. Eggnog has actually been my recent, like, every year for the holidays. So growing up, my grandmother had, like, an amazing recipe for it. So we used to make mm-hmm. it all the time. But in my adult years, when I do, like, holiday celebrations with friends out in L.A., I've been making eggnog now recently. Oh, you make it. My contribution. Make it. Yeah, homemade. I don't know if I've ever had homemade eggnog before, honestly. It's delicious. I'm sure it freaking is. You're the queen of making things from scratch. I made homemade ramen last night. Who? How? 
Was it $120 to buy all those separate ingredients? No. I actually have all the ingredients already in my fridge. That is wild. The only thing I needed was ramen noodles, and I bought those. Wow. Yeah. Delicious. That sounds freaking great. I enjoy cooking. Speaking of cooking, what have you cooked up for us for today? What am I cooking up for us? Okay. I actually was like giggling writing this. I had so much fun researching this. Oh, fun. I'm getting old. I like can't even read things on my... You had to get your iPad out, lady. That was the point where we got those, old lady. All right. So I thought it would be fun for us today if we played a game of Would You Rather. Oh, fun. So I've selected two Christmas creatures, and at the end of the episode, everyone can decide which Christmas creature they would rather encounter. Okay. Can you tell me their names? And before we even start, based on their names and contextual clues from their names, I'm going to pick one. And then I have to see if I still stick with that choice. Okay, I'll give you their names and not their not their nicknames. Okay, great. Okay. Marie Lloyd or Caracancolis? Caracancolis for sure, just because it's a more fun name to say. Interesting. Okay. This is a new rule. You have to decide right now who <laughs> you would choose and then see see how you fare. It's like a choose your own adventure and you don't find out until the end of yeah. this episode if you died. Oh, it's the Oregon Trail. Maybe you die with both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) Happy holidays. Happy holidays. One of these creatures is not like the other. Okay, I'm excited to hear about both of them. All right. Well, I wrote a little intro, so I'm going to read it to you because... Thank you. I giggled at myself, but it's not really that funny. But everyone just pretended it is. I'm sure it's great. You're hilarious. (laughs) It's not even funny. I was just trying to paint a picture because I was like, okay, well, when we think of the holidays, we think of stories and characters, or at least I think of like Christmas movies, right? So I'm thinking of the creatures in there. I'm thinking of the narwhal from Elf. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of Will Ferrell. I'm thinking of elves and Santa Claus and that like bearded guy that works at his family's Christmas tree farm that the like big city girl in a Hallmark movie comes and falls in love with. Like those are the characters I'm thinking of, right? Okay. Yeah. But the two creatures I'm going to tell you about, and I also feel like if you've listened to any previous holiday episodes, you'll know that most of the creatures that we talk about do not offer you gifts or remind you of how wonderful it is to wear a cable knit sweater and drink hot chocolate. Like these are creepy and they're scary. And you're like, what the F are these holiday traditions and how did these come to be? They usually involve eating children (laughs) or scaring children. And I think that some of these creatures do not only scare children, but scare adults too. And we're here to bring them back this year because not only do we want to bring back the tradition of telling ghost stories around the holidays, we want to bring back the tradition Mm -hmm. of eating children around the holidays. Yum, 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 yum. You just go and you grab them and you bring them up to your ice cave in your your potato sack. And you boil them in a pot of water. And like a potato, their skin peels right on off. Like Hansel and Gretel. Also, okay, I feel like I don't need to say this, but like, don't do that. We're joking. Oh, God. <laughs> no. If we found out that any of this were happening in real life around us or because of what we said, I would find that person and I would do exactly and what they did to And then you would eat them. them. Yeah. Yes. And give them wet willies. <laughs> I would give so many wet willies, you would cry. Yeah. And that's that's all I need. 
And you'd never stop crying because you'd have so much moisture in your ear that it would just forever fill your eye ducts because that's how moisture works inside the body. I'm impressed by the saliva count that you have, Corinne. These glands, they'd be working overtime. Secreting many liquids. What's it called when you're gl- gleeking? Is that what it's called? When they just kind of like accidentally squirt? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I like that gleeking. Oh, I swear that's a thing. I believe it. I believe everything you say. That's why I join your cult. <laughs> believe me. It's almost like I was thinking the other day. Sorry, I'm already off on a tangent. But I was thinking the other day on Campfire Stories, or was it a regular episode? I get so confused because we do both multiple times a week. But when I made up the rumor that you absorbed your twin in the womb, and then I, do you even remember this? When did you make that up? It was a few weeks ago. But then I was driving the other day and I I was thinking, and I was like, I can't believe Sabrina absorbed her twin in the womb. And then I was like, wait a second. She never told me that. That was a rumor I started. And now I believe it. Okay. Okay. Fake news. All right. So let's get into our game of Would You Rather. Great. And we will travel to Wales. A light dusting of snow barely gripping the ground. A Welsh family hunkers down in their home, enjoying various treats like plum pudding and toffee around the fire. They play games and they laugh together, enjoying this December tradition that they've created and look forward to every single year. But their evening is interrupted when there's a knock at the door. Hmm. Is it a neighbor? Is it a postal service worker with a holiday gift? They're curious and obviously they want to go open the door. So the mother rises from her chair and she walks towards the front of the house, still smiling. But when she opens the door to greet their visitor, her face falls, her blood running cold. Standing in front of her, unaffected by the cool winter air, is Marie Lloyd. Marie Lloyd is not a person, not quite an animal either. Marie Lloyd is a skeleton of a mare with human feet. Its skull is completely bare of any remaining flesh or hair, clean and bleached from the centuries of visiting Welsh residents. Ah! Much like tonight. A sack covers its body, which looks drab in comparison to the vibrant ribbons and bells that it has placed on top of its head, a sort of makeshift mane. Well, at least it's in the spirit. It got, it's festive. It is. And so the mother, she must gather her wits now, for she is about to enter a battle with this horse skeleton thing. A battle of rhymes. Stop. This is the original Wild and Out. <laughs> they have a rap battle. This is real. They have a rap battle. They have to go back and forth, exchanging poetic insults and comebacks. Marie Lloyd's jaw opens and forcefully closes, the bones grinding against each other as the mare speaks. And the mother must focus because she needs to win. If she doesn't win, she has to give the mare a prize. I'm so glad I didn't pick this creature because I would lose the first second. (laughs) Guess what you have to give if you lose? What? A beer. Oh. So maybe you should have picked this one. (laughs) It's not a child. Okay. So this probably isn't the most terrifying creature. It Actually, I feel like it sounds weird and fun. (laughs) So... (laughs) Here's how this came to be. The etymology has been debated, but some people think that 
Marie Lloyd translates to gray mare or to merry game. There's a lot of hmm. debate. And also its roots have been debated. So some people are like, is this related to Christianity? Is it Protestantism? Is it paganism? Interesting. No one knows exactly because there's a lot of history that's been rewritten over time and whatnot. And so it's kind of a hot topic. But regardless of where or why this tradition came to be, it started gaining popularity in the early 1800s. Believing it to be a part of the wider category of celebrations with hooded animals Folklorists believe that this started in or was inspired by traditions that started in Britain where they would take hobby horses. Do you know what a hobby horse is? No. It's like a fake horse. So like now, I'm sure you've seen videos of people who do hobby horsing. They go into like a horse arena or like a gymnasium, like a padded gymnasium, and they have a stick you know like little kids when you can get like on a horse Mm -hmm. like on a on a fake horse and it's just like a wooden stick with a horse head and they ride them there's an adult sport called hobby horsing there's a sport they do routines it's like a gymnastics routine on the hobby horse that's amazing i've never (laughs) seen this nor heard of this and this is my new holiday tradition i'm gonna become a hobby horser should be an olympic sport That's one I think everyone would watch. We should make a Paranormal Olympic Games. We should. And it has nothing to do even with paranormal. It's just things things. that we like. So hobby horse. Yeah. (laughs) Because we can relate it back to. Exactly. Marie Lloyd. Yeah. Because you have to dress your hobby horse as this creature. Oh. Okay. So essentially, there was a big surge in popularity of hobby horsing in Britain. And then they would do these different like breakoff traditions that would occur from or like around based around hobby horsing. So they would take a hobby horse and for this tradition, they would cart the hobby horse around like a group of people would cart this hobby horse around around Christmas time. Then they would sing a song or declare some sort of statement alongside the horse, their fake horse that they've created, and they would request payment from whoever was whoever they were performing for. Okay. It's kind of like Christmas caroling. It is, except they're like, now give us food and drinks. Sure. Because we did this for you and you didn't ask for it. But isn't it entertaining? (laughs) Are you not entertained? So this was a big thing in Britain. And then a lot of people, historians and folklorists were like, well, how did this get to Wales? And so I wanted to provide a quote from a folklorist. Okay. Quote, no clear reason. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) which I love because then I feel like they just must have thought it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. And it caught on. Although there is, there is like a little bit of history and they did theorize that perhaps in the 14th century, there were Welsh people and British people spending a lot of time together in different, Mm. like mining different minerals in different places. So they thought perhaps like it kind of was passed on then and was kind of a slow burn and picked up speed many centuries later. Or like through a game of telephone, it evolved into something else. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought this was the best quote on the internet from a professional who just said, no clear no reason. clear reason. Like, we don't know why the Welsh people liked this. It's like the quote that I read in the Edgar Allan Poe episode about Edgar Allan Poe's dad was literally nothing. Like that was a review written about him. Yes. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. That was just, that was sad. Harsh, yeah. See, that's a comeback that probably would have destroyed Marie Lloyd if you're doing the 
The insults and rap and rhyme battle. Poem off? Rhyme off? A poem off. I know. Poe would be great at this. So, basically, Marie Lloyd was never believed to be a real creature. Rather, it was created by human beings as part of a wassailing tradition. And I had to look up what that was. But basically, it's an English Yuletide drinking ritual and salutation where people go door to door. And they would ask for charity giving or basically just like ask for them to be the charitable donation. And in turn, there'd be a, a good harvest. And I think it originally started when people would go who were a lot poorer and visit some richer neighbors and neighborhoods gotcha. and ask for a cup of their wassail, which is a hot mold cider. And then I think it kind of evolved to people just like asking for charitable donations mm. and then that bringing you good luck through your karma. Okay. So the first recorded Muddy Lloyd visit was in 1800. A group of men traveled through various areas with a horse skull on a pole. They put a white sheet over it and some decorative accents on top of the skull. The picture I sent you is from 1904. So from 100 years later. Okay. But this is essentially what they looked like. It looks like a ghost. (laughs) I think it evolved to someone being underneath the thing and pretending to be yeah it does look the like horse. that okay yes so the group would knock on people's doors requesting entry through song because this is a musical homeowners were expected to deny them so you have to say no because that's not fun if there's no back and forth oh so you gotta be like no hobby horse you cannot come in and then through song the group would request entry again and they would go back and forth with the homeowner in song or rhyme or debate until the homeowner either gave up or was out of ideas and comebacks, and the group was then let in and given food and drinks. The skull is often on a spring-loaded device now, so its jaw can move and the oh Lloyd is talking. It's a puppet. And actually, like, saying, yeah, it's a puppet, but it's like a skull. That's cool. Puppet. Yeah. And then once inside the home, because without a doubt, no one ever wins against Marie Lloyd. Right. So once inside the home, this creature runs around, neighing and snapping its jaws at children and sometimes adults and just terrorizing them. And then the leader of the group that has come and traveled around with Marie Lloyd will pretend to restrain it. Like, oh, get back, Marie Lloyd. And it's just this whole show in battle. I love the performance. <laughs> it's so great. I want to witness it. I actually saw a photo from like seven years ago online that was from somewhere in LA that there was a group that was doing it. So I don't know if that's an annual thing, if it's all over the place, or if it was just oh my a, some cultural show. I'm not sure. Do people still go Christmas caroling? Because I remember growing up, there were like groups of people who would go around our neighborhood every year and Christmas carol. But I don't think I've heard of a group of Christmas carolers in years. Like, I feel like now you have to go to an event where people are caroling or it's like a Christmas or holiday market event and there are carolers there, but there's no like door-to-door carolers anymore. I have never experienced a door-to-door caroler ever. Oh. Yeah. It was always at events. Well, I can't say I would like it. No. That's why I think they're a going extinct breed because many people feel the way that we do. In a group, in a street outdoor setting- where all the lights are on and I have my hot chocolate, like that sounds great. But one-on-one where I'm expected to sit there and stare and smile and cheer and just make so much eye contact. It is a really bizarre thing because 
It Traditionally, is. Yeah, the tradition of Christmas carolers, they would come knock on your door and you'd open the door and then they'd just start singing at you. And like, how long are you supposed to stand there and watch? What if you're in your jammies and you're cold? Uh, it's an interesting choice. It is. I've only done it one time and it was kind of fake because my little cousin, Addison, who's 20 years younger than me, she wanted to go caroling. So we set up our, our parents at, at doors mm. and went basically just like to the house, like yeah. singing songs. Well, that is cute. That was our version. So our own relatives had to be like, oh, oh wow. Beautiful. Beautiful job. <laughs> it's like me and my my other cousins. Like we're all tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> so Muddy Lloyd is terrorizing the kids, but gets restrained and then eventually is like, okay, I guess we can continue. Put on some music. This person whose house we've just entered, who we probably don't even know, now has to feed us and give us drinks and we'll party for a little bit and then we'll leave and we'll move on to the next home. So how many meals do they eat in one night? This is my question. Great question. I have no idea. Okay. This kind of sounds like the one Santa bar crawl I did in LA where I got way too drunk and ended up bar crawling my way through three different dinners, three different restaurants. Wow. It happens. That's a way to do it. Been there. Okay. So today- uh-huh. Marie Lloyd still does this. They visit homes, inns, and pubs around Christmas and New Year's. The rumor has it she's more tame, she's less drunk than she used to be, and when she leaves, she wishes everyone a happy New Year. And if you're lucky enough to see or be visited by Marie Lloyd, it's considered a blessing that you will have a positive and fortuitous next year. And so... Okay. It's really a great thing to come in contact with this creature. Great. Which means the next creature. Yeah. So I chose wrong. Is not. Option number two okay. for Would You Rather. Mm-hmm. We're traveling some 200 miles to the country of Turkey. Okay. Deep beneath the ground, in the center of the earth, are creatures karankonkolis. Probably I'm butchering that, but that means blood-sucking werewolf, roughly. Sick. I sent you a picture as well. I did see that picture when I was looking at Mary Lude, and I immediately was like, interesting choice, Sabrina. Interesting choice. Okay, so yeah, a blood-sucking werewolf, not very Christmassy sounding, right? No, not I guess at all. neither is a decorative hobby horse. But, <laughs> but alas, they have lasted in their tradition and in their folklore. So these Karakankolis, they have a really big job ahead of them. Oh. For they are actively working to destroy the planet. <laughs> okay, maybe I did choose right. I like a <laughs> What the f- <laughs> How did this How did this equal this? Because here's the thing. I feel like us humans are already destroying the planet. So these things are probably doing it in like a trying to get rid of us cockroaches. May as well expedite the process, I guess. Like they know that we're the problem. Yeah. I don't think they're smart enough to just weed us out. Don't talk about them that way, Corinne. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to come for me. I know the tricks to keep them away, which I'll share with you guys. Great. Okay. So all year long, these creatures... They work together in the underworld, so they're kind of like demons of a sort. 
and they take these large saws to the trunk of a tree. And this tree basically holds together all of Earth. Oh. It's in the underworld. It's like at the center of the Earth. And this is the thing that's responsible for being basically like the tree of life, like the glue of Earth. This is how our world operates and lives and continues to, to be nurtured. Okay. And so they work actively to saw this thing down. And it's huge. So they're working all day, all night for almost the entire year. Poor thing. If they succeed, the tree will eventually break and collapse. And in turn, Earth will collapse with it. Yeah, what does this have to do with Christmas? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> yeah, the Caracancolas are pretty evil. Also safe to say, I think that these creatures are not the brightest for a variety of reasons. Yeah. But also, it sounds like they're kind of a part of Earth in a way, or that they're basically like living inside of Earth somewhere. And so if they get rid of Earth and it collapses in on itself, I think that that sounds kind of like a suicide mission. I was going to say, it does make me sad because it simultaneously feels like they've been given a task that they need to complete that will never be completed. Mm -hmm. But also, it almost seems like a task that they want to complete so badly to free themselves. Wow. Way to make me feel differently towards them. It was straight, straight hate. And now suddenly I'm like, Here's my empathy coming, <laughs> coming knocking, being like these sad poor creatures. Here's the thing. My reasonings are selfish because I made a choice in the beginning of this episode and I'm trying to justify said choice. Yeah. Curious. If you follow us on social media or if you are watching on YouTube, let us know what you chose. Oh, I'm also reading that book. I think it's called like Sign Here or something. And it's all like from the perspective of like, demons working in hell. And it just, it gives me empathy for those types of entities because I feel like they are being manipulated mm. themselves in their post-life predicaments. That makes sense. Yeah. Aren't we all manipulated in some yeah. way? It's, we're coerced by society, by other people. There's a lot of influences around. Yep. Agreed. Which I guess is just the experience of living. <laughs> it's just life. What am I even saying? No, it, it is this like circle. Yeah. Okay, so all year long, these guys work to try to collapse the tree of life. Okay. These beings exist across many cultures. So I put us in Turkey, but they're in Greek mythology or I guess lore, Albanian, Bulgarian, Serbian. There's a few different places. Okay. But all describe this being as appearing to be quite similar. So they appear human-like. Though they have very hairy bodies, like fur, just coating their entire bodies. Their legs resemble horse legs, though they're still covered in fur. Their heads are large, and sometimes they're depicted with horns. Sometimes mm. they have a single eye. Oh. Sometimes they have two. But even though this sounds so strange and creature-like, still they somehow remind us of ourselves. Like their faces are human enough okay. that we feel somehow related to them in a way. They seem like a bit Bigfooty, like this hairy creature. Very interesting that you say that because this creature has been given the name the Christmas Bigfoot. Oh, and you don't love them, Corinne? No, not this one. Okay. You can't love all Bigfoots. I like regular Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. I like one breed, <laughs> one singular breed. Okay, so, so this demonic Sasquatch, it lives in the underworld, but during the 12 days of Christmas, which is how it relates to Christmas... During the 12 days of Christmas, the Karenkankolis become distracted. 
from its arduous and sinister task because a path opens up in the underworld and this path leads them to the surface of earth to us and that's very tempting for them to interact with humans oh my god i am picturing the most beautiful story of a christmas bigfoot trying to destroy earth it's spending its entire life trying to destroy earth and then this path opens up and they learn to love earth and they don't want to go back to destroy earth and it's this predicament of what to do and they have to try to convince the rest of them pixar yeah what are you doing hire us hire us it's like we attempt to make a beautiful movie about that, but it just ends up being like a Sharknado <laughs> style movie. So these Christmas Bigfoots, they climb up, they abandon their axes beneath the tree, and they make their journey annually. Every single year when this tunnel, this path opens up, they go through this portal and they go to the surface of Earth. And for 12 days, these Christmas Bigfoots, the Karankonkolas, I'm saying it different every time I say it. That's okay. Because I can't say it. So I'll just call them the Christmas Bigfoots. That's what I did. That was my cheap way out. Yeah. So for 12 days, these Christmas Bigfoots, they hide in dimly lit street corners and in dark spaces, and they wait for someone to come by. And when a passerby enters their vicinity, they point at the person and they ask this human to answer a riddle. So again, I kind of went with like a riddle theme. Yeah. If the person does not answer back and include the word black in their response, the Karakunkolis will murder them right there. So it doesn't they don't even have to get the riddle correctly. They just have to include the word black in their answer? It's their favorite word. Okay. Yep. I also read that some people put like black crosses on their front door to kind of ward these creatures off because i see it and they're like "Ooh, i like this i'll avoid it beautiful yeah yeah friend not foe and they Mm. move on okay so some people are lucky in their encounters they don't have to answer a riddle the thing is no longer intrigued by the possibility of tricking them and and riddles and murder instead they insist on being given a piggyback ride until dawn (laughs) oh my god that is amazing yeah these things are big and heavy looking too. So I imagine it's really tough. Wait, Corinne, this is like your the reverse of your dream. Like you dream of Bigfoot giving you a piggyback ride, kind of like me a piggyback in Twilight. Ride. These Bigfoots dream the same thing, <laughs> but from humans. They saw Twilight once. <laughs> it's so random. It's either like say the word black or I kill you now or give me a piggyback ride for the next seven hours. I'm getting happy with my choice. These creatures are complicated and I like them. I know. I thought that they were both quite silly in their own ways. Yeah. So they're fun. They're a bit fun for the holidays. Mm -hmm. They're quirky. So when the sun comes up or when dawn arrives, you do not have to give the piggyback anymore because these creatures, they find dark places to hide. They can't be out in the sunlight. This is basically like why they're werewolf vampires of sorts like they they only exist in the dark that's where they're most comfortable and so they run to hide in places like caves and rivers and water mills old abandoned water mills is what it said so i was like were there sightings an old abandoned water mill there must be and then once the sun comes up again they can continue on their 12 days of torment and if you think you can simply avoid these creatures by staying inside and not going out at night uh they have some other tricks up their sleeves do they so supposedly they can shapeshift. They can be your family dog. They can be your neighbor. That's not They can be fair. your child. 
they're mimics. I know that's they not mimic fair. the voices. Not only can they appear to be that person, but they mimic the voices of the ones you love and trust, and they lure you outside. Bummer. If you think that you're too paranoid to fall for the mimic, their calls are also said to put people into a trance. So they're very, they're siren-esque, mermaid-esque. And so no matter what, if you hear them, regardless of your feelings or beliefs, you might just be put into a trance and wander outside. I think I realized I have a toxic trait. Only one. What? Only one toxic trait. (laughs) Just one red flag and that's it. Is that I believe that I can change the Christmas Bigfoot's perspective on Earth. Mm. A little bit of like a savior complex. Yeah, but I don't even want to save them. I just want them to like go on an adventure with me. And by the end of it, instead of me giving them piggyback rides, they're offering to give me a piggyback ride. You never know. They're a Christmas creature. They could be down. I know. They could be into it. It's like it. the Grinch. The paranormal's weird. I'm Cindy Lou, and they're the Grinch. <laughs> it's actually, I mean, yeah, that sounds really right. And he's covered in fur. Did we talk about the theory that the Grinch is actually another who, but from the who world in Horton Hears a Who? I think we have talked about that. Yeah, I like that theory. I love all these conspiracies. Okay, so if you do get put into a trance and you wander outside, they don't just kill you right on the spot like if you don't answer their riddle correctly. Instead, they let you stay in that trance. And when you're in the trance, you cannot move. Like you are completely frozen as soon as you get outside. And so since it's cold or rainy or windy, basically they keep you here in this paralyzed frozen state until you succumb to the elements and you die. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Pretty cool. I don't know what happens when dawn arrives. Like, I wonder if you can get lucky on a balmy evening and survive the night standing there. And then when they run away into their caves and into their dark corners, if perhaps that the spell breaks. stops the spell or if it's just like a hmm. permanent state. Interesting. I don't know. So in some cultures, it's believed that these creatures can also gain access to your homes and they usually prey on small children. They wait in the doorway of your child's bedroom, and once your kid emerges, the Karankankolis will grab them by their necks, scurry into the darkness, and eat them. (laughs) And when they're not eating children, they're also enjoying other snacks, earthy snacks, creatures like worms and frogs. Oh, the Mm. Christmas toad. The Christmas toad. (laughs) Here it comes in full circle. You either eat frog legs or kid legs. (laughs) That's what they like. Why do all the Christmas creatures, like kill children it's so horrible well i think it's so much of it is like the warning to kids to be good you know that if you don't behave (laughs) these creatures are gonna come eat you yeah now while it seems pretty difficult to defeat a christmas bigfoot should you have an encounter with one rumor has that there are a few tricks and sometimes these tricks will result in their death instead of yours so You should put these survival tactics to use should you come in contact with a Christmas Bigfoot. Okay. First, if you encounter one on the streets, simply avoid eye contact. Easy. I don't (laughs) look at anyone in the eye when I'm walking on the street. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, this confuses them. They're largely blind because they've lived in the underworld and in darkness for so long. And so they might think that they've misidentified you as a human and you're not. 
or they might just be like fully confused and looking only for someone who's willing to engage with them. But basically it said, if you don't look at them, there's a chance that you might not have to give them a piggyback ride or answer their riddle. You can survive another night. This is kind of like uh, the purge, but for 12 days. (laughs) Second, if you find one in your home, you actually have the upper hand. So while they're outside, they have the upper hand. But when they're inside, unless you're a child and they're coming to snatch you, uh, you have the upper hand as an adult because these Christmas Bigfoots, they're also shapeshifters. And in order to really learn how to shapeshift properly and to mimic people, they spend some time studying humans, right? Hmm. And so when they see humans in their homes, it's kind of like their natural tendency to kind of mimic and copy you. So it's almost like a little Simon Says. And so it's recommended that you find a piece of thread or silk to set on fire. And if you do, the Caracancolis will mistake its own fur for a piece of thread and it will set itself on fire. Oh my gosh. They Oops. are a little bit um, interesting. Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. <laughs> Dim on the inside. But what will keep you safe is not having a dim home. Light a fire or a Yule log, have it burning on all 12 nights of Christmas, and that will dissuade the creature from ever coming inside as well, because they like the dark. That's fair. In some countries, like Bulgaria, there are rituals practiced and performed to scare away the evil spirits and to keep the Karakankolis, the Christmas Bigfoot, away. People dress in costumes, they wear decorative wooden masks of animals, they wear large bells and fur-like material around their bodies, almost kind of dressing up like them. And they dance through the villages. And the sounds of the bells and the horrifying costumes are basically meant to almost look more terrifying. Like they're the bigger and badder monster of the town. And so these Christmas Bigfoots and all the other evil spirits passing by will look and be like, oh my God, we don't want to mess with those things. And they will leave everyone alone. Okay. And this will also, by doing these rituals... And these dances, this will provide good health and harvest for the village the following year. There's a couple other tricks. Great. So I told you before about the black cross. You can leave that out at your front door. Yeah. You can also leave a colander on your doorstep, which is said to confuse the creature because they will be tempted to count the holes <laughs> of the colander. Oh, these poor little things. This is reminding me of... The tokolosh, isn't it? The tokolosh where you're supposed to put, or the boo hag where you're supposed to put like a broom out because they'll be distracted counting how many bristles there are, strands of like yeah. straw there are. Yeah. Well, now I want to count how many holes there are in a colander. Well, you will surely get further than a Christmas Bigfoot because they want to count how many holes are on the ca- in the colander. Oh my god, I cannot speak. But when they get to the number three, they cannot say it out loud because three is a holy number. So if they say the word three, they basically just like poof, combust. They like die. And so they either sit there and count to three, up to three and die, or they sit there all night going one, two, one, two. They cannot get past it. Poor little guys. They are struggling. They apparently like donuts. (laughs) Who doesn't? You can throw this donut-like thing. It's it's a, I'm going to butcher this word, lucamares. You can put those on your roof. They're basically almost like a donut-like pastry, a donut-like 
dessert and it's filled with syrup and apparently so tasty and the christmas bigfoot they like it they eat it and they're like wow i'm so satiated i don't even need to stay the whole 12 days of christmas i'll just return to the underworld right now and they do i do love how and because in my episode next week i'll talk about a creature but i love how food motivated christmas (laughs) and holiday related entities are like even santa is food motivated yeah give him those cookies yeah those and even the reindeer, you got to leave out carrots, little snacks and carrots and things. Yeah. Sustenance. Mm, I will go for a snacky right now. Okay. So they will return to the underworld eventually after 12 days or if you give them donuts. <laughs> but they don't always return alone because according to legend, any child born during the 12 days of Christmas is in danger of transforming into a Caracancolis each Christmas season once they hit adulthood. So How? they can live through their whole childhood, but as soon as they're 18, there's a risk that one of those 12 days of Christmas that comes around, they're going to morph into one of these creatures. And so to prevent this, mm-hmm. people, like when they have newborn babies during these 12 days of Christmas, they will put, they'll be, the word like tie their baby, and I didn't want to, like, they like tie them to garlic, basically. But I'd like to think that you can just tie the garlic to them. You know, that's what I imagine. Why tie them? To the yeah, yeah. You could put garlic on them. You don't have to like restrain them onto like a garlic cross or something. It does feel very vampire-like. It does. Yeah. So you can do garlic, or apparently straw works too. Okay. It's also said that anyone born on a Saturday, which I think is just any Saturday yeah. oh, of of the, year. the calendar year, okay. can see or speak to these Christmas Bigfoots. It's like parcel tongue. I was not born on a Saturday. Were you? No, I was born on a Tuesday. That was a Thursday. Okay. We are not gifted. Not us. No. Unfortunately. So the Christmas Bigfoot, when they return to the underworld after 12 days of Christmas, sometimes they bring alongside them the new Caracancolis who have transformed from humans into the creature during this time. And when they all gather back together, they pick up their axes and they continue their work on destroying Earth's life force, the tree. They see... That in the time that they were gone, as they go to whack this tree and make more progress, that the tree in the 12 days has healed itself. So they must start again. I feel so bad for these creatures. Don't. They're not the best. I know, but it just seems like some cruel trick is being played on them. Yeah, they're basically like stuck for eternity in this horrible loop. Of living. Right. Every day, all day, hit the tree. Unless for 12 days, you can go to the Earth's surface where you just try to have some good fun with some rhymes and riddles and piggyback rides and eating donuts. But everyone's just trying to kill you. Yeah. But also, they did kill other people too. So that's true. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like an enjoyable life. And it also sounds like their life is eternal, no. like they live forever. So poor things. It does. And new ones are created, which is horrible that like human – well, and also it's almost like this horrible thing. It reminds me of all the souls in The Little Mermaid. You know how like the uh, – Stuck in her, yeah. The souls trapped as like the little sea snake creatures. It reminds me of that because it's like not to say that anyone born in the 12 days of Christmas did anything wrong because they clearly didn't. They are just born at a, a time in this lore that coincides with the potential of becoming one of these things. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they were all once human. Interesting. And they're these damned souls. Because that's how you create new ones. So it's like, how did the original ones start? But then it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Hmm. It's like BEKs. How do they get created? 
That's a good question too. We don't know. We don't have the answers. All right. So they see that the tree has healed itself and they must start again until next year when the cycle continues. The tree abandoned for 12 nights to heal. The Caracancolis distracted by the excitement of terrorizing the human world. So, Sabrina and everyone who listens, which would you rather come in contact with? A visit from the Christmas zombie horse or a visit from the Christmas Bigfoot? Well, I chose an answer in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think... Do you go back on that? Well... I don't think it's fair for me to go back on my decision. I made that decision and I need to live with it. But if I were to go back and re-choose, I do think I would rather a personal encounter with the Marie Lude. But in terms of my like, oh, I want to understand these Christmas Bigfoots more and I have this like sadness towards them, I would like to cross paths with them to just just see what's going on. It's interesting because it's like, if you have the hobby horse, if you have Marie Lloyd, you survive, right? Yeah. But if you have social anxiety or you just don't want to entertain people or- I'm so bad at that. You don't like being put on yeah. the spot. Like that's pretty horrifying. Yeah. And it's a much longer experience than an encounter, aside from the piggyback ride, much longer experience than you would get with a Christmas Bigfoot, which could be over in just a matter of seconds. But there's also a lot of opportunity to be murdered. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. I go to the gym quite a lot. I've been doing a lot of squats. What's all of that for if not to give a Christmas Bigfoot a piggyback ride? (laughs) You're like, come on. I squat 2,000 easy. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's get two of you on here. (laughs) If I were to live to tell the tale, I'd much rather encounter a Christmas Bigfoot. I mean, one is like a creature. Or is said to be a creature. And then one is just a wooden stick and a skeleton. Right. That people use as a joke, basically. I guess, I mean, it's more than a joke. It's yes, it's, a, it's, tradition. it's a loved tradition now. Tradition. But it started, I think, more in the joke realm where it was just like fun and enjoyable. Yeah. To basically ask for snacks and booze from your neighbors, from the pub that you like. Yeah. More peanuts. More pretzels. Here's a would you rather. Would you rather be a Mary Lloyd or would you rather be a Christmas Bigfoot? I'd rather be a Marie Lloyd. Oh, okay. Because here's why. Christmas Bigfoots, they have a job year-round that sounds awful. And then they get 12 days of chaos. Yeah. But they still, within the 12 days of chaos, they only have the night to like explore. Mm-hmm. Whereas this Christmas zombie horse... It usually happens between Christmas and New Year's, but there's a lot of times where it will make appearances for Samhain, for Halloween. Oh, it does? And also sometimes just like randomly in the summer. Like I think it's just kind of, it gets to be fun whenever fun is called for. I also think you would make a really good one. Like you would be really good at the riddles and insulting rhymes. I think people would want me to come inside. I think we'd have a great time. Yeah, you'd be very funny. Thanks. Someone get me a costume. <laughs> done and done. We can make that happen. Okay. I have a listener story for you, but actually I'm going to do a would you rather for you. Would you rather a story about Christmas or would you rather a story that is a Christmas gift to you? This is so hard because I'm, I'm 
immediately I want to say a Christmas gift to me. Okay, then I'm going to do that because I think that it goes well with this episode. Okay. Is it Bigfoot? Yes. (laughs) Perfect. And it's actually from Sam, who is Harrison's mom, and Harrison drew us those pictures at the Portland show. I have those pictures on my fridge. Well, you have one of them because I have the other one in my... I have one. I show everyone when they come over. I'm like, you see, this is a Bigfoot. This is the tree. so cute. It has knocked down the tree. The Bigfoot is eight feet tall. The tree was 12 feet. Like Harrison gave measurements on my photo and I appreciated it. I can tell the whole story to everybody. Yes. Okay. So this is from Sam and Sam says, I love being able to meet you both at the show. You made my son Harrison's year with your autographs. He is still talking about how his favorite ghostesses have his special drawings. You two are amazing. And I'm so glad to have met and talked with you both. I talked with Corinne about my dad seeing Bigfoot and got the, where's that email? So here I am. I am finally emailing after holding on to the story for far too long. My dad, Scott, was born and raised in Washington. And when he was in his late 20s, his dad, my grandpa, and him went turkey hunting like they did every year. They would go to Clickitat. 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 It's fun to say. K-L-I-C-K-I-T-A-T. Clickitat. Feels like part of scat. I'm a scat man. Clickitat. So they would go to the same area of private property that they had been going to since my dad was small. My dad and grandpa headed to Clickitat in November of 1991. I was nearly a year old at this time. My great-grandpa had already set up camp with his good friend, George, and my dad and grandpa went to go check out the area to scope out a good spot in the morning for turkey while my great-grandpa began warming up chili for dinner. So my dad and grandpa trekked to a nearby canyon that they'd hunted at before. They reached the rim of the canyon, where it seemed like the world was hushed. Suddenly, the woods became quiet. It was dusk, and the turkeys had become quiet as well, but then they heard gobbling as they approached the canyon. The turkeys then dispersed. And a man, or what my grandpa and dad described as a dark, tall man who appeared not to be wearing shoes and wearing dark furs like an old trapper would. The man, in quotes, was walking from the trail that you took down from the rim of the canyon to the bottom. With it, there was a strange, foul smell that emanated the canyon. Oof. This man walked towards the end of the canyon that dropped to a valley. My grandpa yelled to the man, being like, this is private property. But the man kept walking. Then the man walked under a tree in the canyon, having to go duck under another branch and then continued to the end of the canyon and disappeared into the valley. My dad described how eerily quiet everything had been when suddenly, as the man left their sight, the woods came back to life. My grandpa looks at my dad and was like, we should leave. And that man will figure it out. If that son of a bitch is dumb enough to go that way, let him. So they headed back to camp. I mean, yeah, that's a predator. Yes. They headed back to camp and relayed to my great-grandpa and George of the incident, and they all had this looming, strange feeling that night, and no one slept well. The next morning, my dad and grandpa were the first ones up. They headed back down to the canyon right as dawn approached. The turkeys were out, but they did not get a turkey that morning. And then curiosity got the best of my grandpa, and he told my dad to wait at the rim of the canyon while he walked that trail down into the canyon, into the valley that they had seen the man walk the night before. My dad watched as my grandpa walked under the same tree. 
noting that the man that they saw the night before had to duck under the lowest tree branch while my grandpa had a nearly two foot gap between the top of his head and the branch. For reference, my grandpa is six feet tall. What in the world? My dad said that my grandpa quickly took notice of the difference and proceeded to the end of the canyon to where there was a large drop-off with no trail to the valley below. My grandpa then made his way back up to the top of the canyon to find my dad and said that there was no sign of the man, but that smell, that strange foul odor that they had smelt the night before was looming in the spot at the end of the canyon. Because it was still there. It was just camouflage. It was completely still. Mm -hmm. He couldn't see it, but that thing for sure saw him. My dad and grandpa both agreed that they didn't feel this was ominous or malicious, but they definitely felt watched the entire rest of the trip. So that thing was like nine feet tall then. I know, easily. They didn't see the man again, and they continued to hunt and click attack until 2010. My dad is an archaeologist and has tried to make sense of this man, but has not been able to. He won't outright label it as Bigfoot, but he also says he can't deny the experience, and it really closely mirrors an encounter that the Kwakutal Native Americans have of a timber giant and other hairy man tails in that same area. Done. The people who own the property my dad hunted on would say that they seen strange things in the woods, but never got a glimpse of what they felt watched them. Only a view of it through the corner of their eyes. Thank mm-hmm. you both for making a safe space for paranormal believers. See you on the other side. Sam from Washington State. Wow. I mean, I'm kind of jealous <laughs> because although instinct-wise, it probably was like a do not follow that guy. This is very scary. Everything is silent. Don't test your luck sort of situation. Mm-hmm. We have the hindsight is 2020 perspective where yeah. nothing bad did happen to them. So I'm like, okay, if I knew the outcome, which is just that I would track it basically, but never find it, but still get to see it and not actually be injured, that is worth it to me. Okay. Well, now you know you can go here. Look at that. I got to go, I guess, a bunch because they went for years and they only saw it once. I am curious if Bigfoot and Christmas Bigfoot are related in any way. I don't know. Like the Christmas Bigfoots are like in a purgatory of some sense. Like if they misbehave, they have to go there. I don't know. I'm just curious. Or if they just are, they look somewhat similar. Just like this hairy beast. Yeah. I'm going to guess unrelated because there's just so many different kinds of Bigfoot sightings with like the Yeti. and. If you haven't listened to our three-part Bigfoot special from this past summer, go listen now. Corinne. I just need to commend you for a second. I mean, we came up with that idea for the three-parter when we were at the Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine. But Mm -hmm. so many people have found our podcast because they were looking for Bigfoot episodes. And so- See, people like Bigfoot. People love Bigfoot. And so thank you for loving Bigfoot so much that we did a (laughs) three-parter. Hey, and thanks for volunteering to do a part two. Absolutely. Even if it was an attempt at <laughs> telling me all the hoaxes and why Bigfoot might not be real. Listen, it is good to question some things sometimes. Yeah. And Bigfoot is a hot topic. We have to have some integrity in our research. Some. But only the smallest some. amount. Don't worry. It was very petite. Yeah. Well, well, happy holidays, everybody. Yes. 
come back next week for both encounters and one more episode of the year. They're going to be holiday themed. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to take a two-week hiatus, a two-week break so that we can spend some time recharging and with our family. But we're coming back in the new year with some really exciting plans. And if you're a Patreon member or if you've been wondering about becoming a Patreon member, let's just say we've been really scheming. Forget everything we've told you before about Patreon because you're about to you're about to be pretty happy with us. So stay tuned. You're about to get sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review us on iTunes. And thank you to our producer Jamie and our team. We are so grateful for everyone who helps make this podcast what it is. And that includes all of you who are listening, because without you. We would be two voices speaking to the void of ghosts, which they're already listening, but we like having living human breathing souls here as well. It's a big perk, a big plus. Yeah. So thank you. If you're looking for ways to support us, check out our show notes in our podcast or our website, Two Girls, One Ghost. We've linked all of our social media, our Patreon, merch, all of the things. (laughs) If you're watching on YouTube, hello. Hi. Great to see you. (laughs) weaving we love you all so much happy holidays and we will see you you on the other other side. side very spooky